Hello everyone, uh, this is Digital Loop, Season 1, Episode 4. I'm live from Tokyo again today, and uh, Ivan, uh, you're back in Poland, I think, right? Yes, I'm back in Warsaw. Hi everybody, how are you? So today we're going to talk about, I mean, we named the show Innovation. It's a bit large, because innovation can be so many things and nothing at the same time, and everybody sees the innovation as something very different. So to start to start with, uh, with, with that topic, uh, we, we thought it was a good idea to talk about this article about um, the most innovative companies in the world that uh, a lot of people have read, and uh, it's good. Is it good? Is it not? What, do you, what are your thoughts about it, um, Ivan? Yeah, just to give a little background, Fast Company every year uh, makes the list of the 50 most innovative companies in the world. And uh, this year, the most innovative company in the world was Nike. Uh, and you can see most of the, uh, the, the, the normal players over there, Amazon, Apple, Samsung, etc. But the very interesting thing is when you start each each of the uh, in each of the companies they start to define why they are innovative, and something that uh, I noticed very interesting is what most of the most innovative companies are really taking chances. And what we're thinking about is that in order to be innovative, you need to take you need to take chances, you need to take risks, and unfortunately, this is something that most companies avoid. They are very good at you know putting rules and actually not changing. <laughs> Well, they're so actually, usually, they're also very good at, especially those who are successful, they're very good at maintaining the business model because they're making so much money, or at least a good good amount of money on their own business model. So for them, switching a model when you're successful is actually really hard. It's like switching jobs when you're successful. Of course, you only have an offer, but people like think about you know the next step when they're like it's something is ending. So a company usually, and that's a Kodak example. Kodak was doing so much money on 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 film. That they didn't really see the digital revolution happening. So suddenly they have, oh, we they, they wanted, they kind of felt uh, that they had to change, but they didn't really do it because they had uh, no incentive to do so because the money was still coming in. Yeah, right? but I guess this is very very interesting. Why, for example, Nike is doing so well? Because Nike was having fantastic results for a long time, and yet they are still innovating. They are still bringing more things. In the article, they mentioned the two uh, main reasons why. They are the most innovative company in the world this year. Are the plant, which you know I've been talking about until you know going crazy about this, uh, but also something called the flight knit technology, which basically it's changing the way they manufacture shoes. That instead of you know assembling together pieces of material or pieces of of of, of, of product, they actually knit them. Uh, and what they say is that this is going to change completely the way they manufacture shoes. This is going to change completely their, their logistics and the supply chain. And, you know, costs are going to redu be reduced incredibly. And everything because they keep pushing it. Even though they are very successful and everything, everything they are doing is really, really good, they are keep pushing the boundaries. Um, something that we were talking about is also this means that they are really thinking differently than other companies. And this is what we wanted to talk It's about not incremental ideas, but actually disruptive ideas, because those are the ideas that are going to make the difference. So two, two, two points you said uh, really, uh, that really struck a chord with me is first, I mean, innovation, and as I started with that, I mean, everybody talks about innovation can be everything and nothing. What I like about the, the Fast Company article is that it not only lists you know, iPhone and stuff that people, because usually innovation is the wow factor for consumers. It's something that you see, oh, this is so cool and I want to have it and this is innovation. Supply chain, and you mentioned the term supply chain, is innovation. For instance, Apple was not only innovative in the products they were selling, but also in the whole supply chain that is set up behind you, in, in, being able to 
deliver a product so fast to the public. And this is less a wow factor. You just see the result because you, you get the iPhone very quickly after it's announced on a, on a keynote. But um, so the only thing I dislike about the article, though, is is the classification. Because how do you classify innovation? But that's, I guess, it's the way to actually make people read articles. You have classification. You have to be uh, to be number one and number two. Uh, in terms of disruptive thinking, this is the second thing. Uh, disruptive thinking is something that is not ingrained usually in, in corporations. Uh, you mentioned uh, Nike. Uh, it's I think Nike was very early on in actually doing this kind of um, this kind of uh, thinking because they, they went they were not a shoe manufacturer they haven't been a shoe manufacturer for a long time they actually outsourced most of the manufacturing they were a lifestyle company they were they were the, they were very early on in understanding branding with especially person Michael Jordan they were very under, understanding that their business model was not about making shoes the business model was selling an idea selling an experience in that sense they were already disruptive but do you think this this kind of thinking can be applied to any other company? Absolutely. I mean, uh, one of the one of the um, big source of inspiration that I had for a long time is a guy called Luke Williams. He's uh, he was a um, uh, what's his title fellow at uh, Frog Design, and one of the things that he says that it's about changing from doing something that is expected into something that is provoking. Problem is that very often we, you know, as people as companies, we are trying to follow what's expected instead of actually provoking ourselves to think differently. Uh, he gives a very good, very simple example. Uh, when we talk about, for example, socks, this is not wow, this is not big thing, and socks are expected to come in pairs and they are expected to match. And actually, there is a company called Little Mismatch that you know came up with an idea that let's instead of selling. Uh, let's sell stocks in packages of three that actually none of them match. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, that's a really weird idea. But actually, uh, they, they discovered that girls between 8 and 12 years old love these socks. Why? Because they give them the opportunity to tell the story about their socks. You know, they walk around with different socks. People ask them what's going on. They tell the story. They are happy. And actually, they are a multi-million dollar company now. Uh, they are venturing into, into other different areas. But basically, everything's starting with a completely different way of thinking. Instead of, let's make better socks, they just completely change the model. And this is what disruptive thinking is all about. Uh, I would mention there's another company, the, the, the name eludes me right now, that actually has RFID chip, I think, in the socks. So you know how, when you have, I have only black socks, most of my socks are black, and when you put them a lot of time in a wash, in a, in a washing machine and then in a tumble dryer, they come, you know, they kind of lose their color, but sometimes when I match these two, like, oh, but these are not exactly the same gray anymore, you know, that's a grayish look they take it for a while, so this, this company makes RFID chip that actually matches the two socks together, so because you use them at a certain point of time, always these two together. Anyway, this, the, way, the reason I say that, also because it's funny, it's because these are wow factors. I mean, even your example for three for three socks is very it's very interesting that they're making money, and it was a just it was an adaptive way of thinking. Instead of selling socks, they actually thought about selling experience, which was apparently appealing to uh, to part of the market. Uh, but I have. I always struggle because I mean we we talk about innovation so much, but I always struggle about defining what is I mean, with, there's no definition of innovation. I think that your example is great because it worked, but it worked. We can only say that it worked after the fact. You have to try, I guess, right? And I think rolling the dice is one of the, the things a company. But then again, uh, this company was it a big company? The one that came up with the three socks? No, it was a small yeah. company. 
Yeah, but that's the thing. It's easier as a small company to enter a market, especially with this lower barrier of entry, and saying to say, okay, I'm gonna we're gonna do something different because we cannot compete with the big with the big guys, maybe. So we're gonna find a way to do something different. Now, if you reverse yeah. the model, if you think about a big company, how can a big company adapt this mindset? I guess this is also why so many big companies are now investing or opening funds to 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 uh, fund startups. Is it to say, oh, we need to find this kind of spirit that can say, okay, we gotta have disruptive ideas all the time. Right? Yeah, but if you think about it, I mean, let's talk about big companies. And this, there's one of my favorite examples is uh, a, a campaign or an idea created by Coca-Cola in Brazil. Coca-Cola for the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of years, I guess, already, the, the center, the core of their communications is happiness. And basically what they come up, they come up with this brilliant insight that very often for teenagers and for young people, happiness now means having access to the Internet. And what yep. they realize is in Brazil, probably you know much better than me because you've been traveling over there, is that in Brazil there is very, very small access to Wi-Fi, public Wi-Fi. So they came up with this brilliant idea, we're going to put the video in the notes, uh, of uh, it's called the, the, the Refill Happiness Project, which basically allow people to walk around with their cell phones, go to these little weird looking machines that look kind of like refilling machines for coke, and you, anybody can go with the phone, Put the phone in, and actually you can see on the screen how it refills, like if it was, you know, a glass of coke. And basically, what it gives you, it gives you credits to use Wi-Fi on your mobile phone. I think that's brilliant. This is something that really shows what we're talking about. They are a, 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 a you know, a sweetened uh, water, <laughs> and they are actually giving away uh, Wi-Fi to, 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 to people. I mean, this is something that is completely, completely different than what they're supposed to be doing from the point of view incremental ideas instead of let's make the packaging better, let's make our ads better, they're actually adding value. And this is what I always say, innovation is about value. It's about really making a difference on, on, on your consumers and on your on your people. But that's so that's the act of branding. I mean in, in that case mean people could say, oh but what is disruptive is actually Wi Fi. It's not so the fact that Coca Cola is doing it is and this is why it's because one of the other thing about innovation that's very important is that there's a lot of innovation is we kind of see it around us. But in order to innovation to work, you have to have a market for it. You have to have the right conditions. If you're too early and you have the greatest idea, uh, it stays in a lab, nobody actually wants it, then it might be innovative, but there's no market for it. Hence, there's, um, you don't see, I mean, we as consumers don't see it, or even companies. And we talk to the B2B industry, they, they, don't, they don't see it either. So your example actually, even if it's a campaign in a way, your example shows that there was a need and the company filled that need. Uh, in terms, of course, their, their goal was, was uh, branding because they still want to sell more code, they want to sell Wi-Fi, uh, but they were, they were able to find the field this, this need. And I think this is what innovation was also all about, is actually finding these, whether they're niche or not, but finding these gaps into our daily lives or whatever that actually can be filled by a new idea, and sometimes it's a startup, sometimes a big company, sometimes an agency. Maybe this this campaign, and I don't know because I've not looked into it, was was made by by an agency. But I think the whole idea is to find a gap in an existing market or a gap in a very closely future um, uh, market. Meaning that, in that sense, if someone wants it, you create it. That's one way of doing innovation, and especially for big companies, it's maybe the best way. I've, I've been I've been uh, working with. Uh, some FMCG brands that actually this is what they're looking for because they all want to avoid basically being Kodak. They say, okay, we're we're selling, I don't know, we're selling soap or we're selling coffee, and and they had tried to say, oh, but what what else are we? Are we an experienced company? Are we what else are we? This is 
and I and I believe that basically my 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 idea for disruptive thinking for big companies is to try to adopt the 70 20 10 uh, rule 70 percent bread and butter so you're already making a lot of money uh, in your your, your current your current uh, revenues are made out of the 70%. You don't want to move your Kodak and you say, I still want to do film, fine. But then you have 20%, you say, okay, these are IDs that are uh, disruptive, something in innovative that we could try, something we're not sure it's going to make money, but we go there and we put 20% of our investment in those IDs and 10% is saying uh, we go into completely blue sky IDs. We say we do whatever, we'll, tr we'll try stuff that might not work or might work, but we have no ID, but this is maybe, they will, this will trigger in a timeline of three to five to 10 years, something that will actually be uh, profitable for a company. And this is, I think, this is not the best rule, this is not the only rule, but this is, I think, I think it's a rule that's it's comfortable for uh, big companies to, um, to think about. Absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, without experimentation, companies are not going to be able to get the, the knowledge and the expertise that they are going to need, you know, like you say, a couple of years from now. Uh, that the, the, the innovation doesn't have to be, you know, wait two years from now and then let's innovate, but this is a constant process that is happening. And something that, uh, that I think that is really, really interesting is the fact that if you think about it, something that good ideas have in common with bad ideas is that early on, both of them sound completely crazy. <laughs> I mean, some of them, they're like, when you tell an idea at the beginning, it may be it may be ridiculous, but some of them are really good, some of them are really bad, but that's what they have in common at the beginning. So it's about trying, it's about experimenting, and it's about moving forward. Yeah, it's about testing testing the, the different markets. Um, so there was this also this article you, I don't know if you mentioned it, uh, uh, that we, we talked about, it was in Time Magazine. It was a very interesting approach on, uh, on disruptive thinking and what... Uh, what innovation mean? Because again, this is what I said earlier uh, today: is that innovation usually strikes us, especially us consumers, when we see it. So when we see a, a new phone, a new device, especially in technology, consumer web, consumer tech is obviously very the wow factor is very there because you're like, oh wow, now we're talking about I don't know screens that fold and stuff like that. And of course, this is not the only kind of innovation. And this article that we will also put in the reference is actually very smart in the way that it says, okay. Innovation is not only about that. Innovation, especially, is about uh, being in uh, aligned with the market. And it mentions that the market is maturing. In, and then we're talking about consumer web, consumer tech. And when a market is more mature, the type of innovation you see and the type of expectations from a public are different than uh, where a market is is more new. And that's also something I think companies have to think about when they when they release products is it some a market that is already mature with a lot of inertia especially from the consumers or is it a market that is completely new and then uh, basically you know there's a curve I don't remember well, I'll find the article of uh, the curve of adoption when you have the early adopters and I can not, not only works with the consumer tech that works with many other actually uh, industries but there's always early adopters people like us we have the new phone immediately and then uh, as the market grows and you go into a more, more generic uh, consumer and by um, when I generic is not negative then of course the, the, the dynamics of the markets are, are very different this is why maybe early adopters like us now like now a bit bored we say oh nothing is coming out which is not true but I think the, the way companies innovate uh, is a bit different in the mature versus um, early on market and that's why we'll, we'll share also this, this article yeah, the, uh, term that they, the article shows is innovation cycles that people need to understand yeah, that exactly. innovation happens in cycles yeah exactly exactly uh, to be actually good on time, we decided to try to 
always close at 15, which we haven't made since the first row, right? So we're almost there, I think. So any last words you want to add about this? Because it's a subject we're going to re revisit anyway, because innovation can be, as we kept repeating today, a lot of things. So uh, any last words? Um, absolutely. Like I say, it's, it's about uh, changing the way we think. We need to start you know, provoking ourselves to thinking differently, not trying to go through the, just the incremental uh, improvement, but actually you know, trying to go completely differently. And if we don't put money, if we don't make the decisions from the top, that this is something that everybody is going to do, everybody is an organization, uh, you may end up being a Kodak, just like, uh, like Paul said earlier. Yeah, exactly. And on that mention, I'm saluting you all the way from Tokyo. Next week I'll be back in London. I should add sadly because the weather is great and we're having a great time here. Uh, so we'll be back on a regular schedule, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank bye, you very man. much, guys. Bye, bye everyone. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.